and welcome back to another episode of the Brainstorming Basketball Podcast. It's a two-man show today, Harrison Liao and myself, and I'm going to tell you guys right now, we're on a Zoom call, and Harrison Liao, you look incredible. Wow, thank you. Thank you, man. You should tell that to my my girl. Yosef couldn't be here. He had a bad day at work. He took his clothes off, (laughs) and he stormed out, and he later blamed it. He blamed it on us. He said, me and Armand, we tried to force him to pod with an injury. He has like a sore throat. It's not COVID, though. He tested negative. So, Well, I'm glad to hear that he tested negative. Yes, Yosef, we miss you on this episode. This is an episode that is immediately following Kyrie Irving's return to the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets came back from a 19-point deficit to beat the Indiana Pacers tonight. Harry, if you, first of all, if you had to just give Kyrie a letter grade off of tonight's performance, what would you give him t- for tonight? Um, I don't think Kyrie does things like that. So I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll take a page out of his book. I would give him like a pretty smoggy sunrise, you know, like not a clean one. There's a little pollution in the air. I mean, you know, visually he looks cool. He's got a little gray in his hair now. Like he really yeah. seems like he's, yeah. Right. Like just so what a wise man. Um, uh, <laughs> Basketball-wise, he looked a little rusty as far as his shot, but that's to be expected, right? You don't play for a while. Your shot in-game, that's kind of the first thing that takes a while to come back. I mean, shooting in a game is just so different than, you know, even if he's been playing, getting quality runs in, you know, it's just so different. But I thought, like, he played the same way he always plays. He always moves at his own pace. Um, He instantly looked way more useful than James Harden. Yeah. (laughs) Who, like, I do not care what the numbers say. You know, I know he's been picking it up recently, like, numbers-wise, but that guy is cresting on the wrong side of the hill, my friend. He had that He had that run where he was coming back from COVID and he looked good, but I think a lot of that was just because it was him by himself for a lot of yeah. it. Like, And when he's by himself, he gets enough touches and stuff, but it's just, yeah, Kyrie was going and doing his thing, 22 points. Like you said, a little bit of rust for sure. And KD was incredible. It's just the three of them together, when Harden is dominating the ball, I still question how that's going to work. You know what's weird, though? Like, I feel like last season, firmly, I was in the camp. And I don't know if you guys felt this way, but, like, I felt like James Harden was the best point guard in the NBA last year. For that season, like, what they what he was asked to do that team. And, you know, it's, it sucks that he pulled a hamstring. I'm not the biggest fan of his game. Um, but like previous to him getting hurt in the playoffs, I thought he was going to put on like an all time performance throughout the rest of that, throughout the rest of that playoffs. But you know, this season, he just doesn't have it. Like the burst, we've mentioned this before, but the burst isn't there. The shooting, he's never actually been a great, great shooter. He makes a ton of shots, but he takes a shit ton of terrible, horrible shots. Um, the passing is still, is still there. It's just when you can't get to, you can't get into a position where you're drawing to that easily, like you know, if your man can kind of just prevent you from getting to your spot and the uh, the big can just play like that little soft spot, you know, what do you have? You have a floater or you can just kick it out and let someone else do do uh, uh, do something with the ball. And this dude, this team's just not really equipped to do that. Am I crazy? Is this team like worse than last year in a lot of ways? I think yes because of everything you mentioned and also obviously it's going to be it, this was obvious before but i it's going to be so awkward for them having to adjust their play style home and away 
because yeah. Kyrie is so impactful when he's you have to give him the ball and then at home what they're just gonna have to get used to playing as two different teams it's gonna be very weird for sure it's so strange yeah I guess like at home you got a lot of like Patty Mills and on you know on the road he's he's he might not get that much uh that much shine at all like he's been a huge part of their team though do you believe in Nick Claxton in a playoff yeah okay I do I, I I don't know why people are so low on this kid like to me like, I don't know, there's this weird thing where, like, these long, rangy, athletic Nets bigs are kind of slept on, and you're seeing what Jared Allen's doing now that he's, you know, he's got his own, he's got his own room to grow. And I see a lot of similar things in Claxton. Claxton is, you know, a lot, he's lacking the strength that Jared Allen has, for sure. Um, but, I mean, he's competitive, dude. He plays his ass off when he's out there. He's a monster athlete. He's quick for someone his size. And, you know, it seems like he knows his role. I, I, I'm i not really sure what people are seeing when they're, like, questioning his, like, mental makeup or whatever. I mean, you know, he's he's a young dude. Who knows? Like, these guys collapse in the playoffs all the time. But I don't know. I, he wouldn't be the first person I would think is a liability out there come playoff time. Like, that that person would be Blake Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the the Blake thing is is another strange mystery, if he, if he can perform or not. With Claxton – it's the strength, like you were mentioning, Harry. It's the strength, and it, can he impact the game against those bigger, more physical players? Because you're going to meet them all playoffs long. No matter who you play in the East, there's going to be somebody that's going to pose a physicality problem for him. I agree with you, though. I, I like his demeanor a lot, and I like his attitude. It seems like there was a possession tonight when Durant slipped him um, a bounce pass on a pick-and-roll and he fumbled it out of bounds. And Durant, it there's always a guy on a great team that is going to end up being the scapegoat, which is why I asked you about Claxton. Um, mm-hmm. And and with uh, with Durant, <laughs> what a what a moment in the pod. I'm sorry, we just got uh, interrupted there. With Durant, it it seemed like maybe Claxton. Is that guy? I don't know who. Who do you think will end up being the guy that's a scapegoat, not including the big three? I mean, he's hurt right now, but he was there. He was the guy they would beat on all last year, Joe Harris. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It might be just like the the white guy with long hair thing, but dude, Durant loves to rag on Joe. I mean, like it seems like. I mean, it's almost like a, a great coach. You know, so much of coaching at the pro level because it's a professional relationship is about knowing who you can. Uh, have those kinds of interactions with, right? Who can you who can you get on? Who can you push? And who are the guys that are? I don't want to say more fragile, but like guys that aren't going to be able to. They're not going to react like well to that. And it seems like Joe's is is a guy like that. It seems like Claxton is a guy like that. And you know, like you said, I think teams need those guys. I would say those two dudes probably for sure. Um, yeah, I don't see anybody else. There's a lot of egos on this team. That that's another reason why. I just I didn't really at first I liked the Blake thing. I'm not saying Blake is a big ego, but he's it's so hard to find your way when you're used to being like, you know, even his first year in Detroit. I mean, this guy was a this guy was a menace, you know. And then really, really quickly, life comes at you fast in the NBA, you know. Speaking of life coming at you fast, Lance Stevenson Ooh. went from just you know, out of the league, basically, to 20 points in the first quarter, 30 on the night. Indiana is in a horrible, horrible spot right now. I think that that's kind of obvious. But 
what what do you think about just the Pacers franchise right now where they're at? Because it hasn't been pretty this season. They're going to tank. I mean, the, the the issue is they can never get all their guys like actually healthy at the same time, right? Brogdon's Maybe. hurt or or Levert's out with protocol, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, Levert's always got these crazy, horrible freak injuries. Um, you know, it seems like Sabonis is the only guy that's in the lineup night in and night out. They don't know what to do with Turner still. I thought Turner had spurts tonight where he, he looked fucking great. Like, he looked like he had added a lot to his game, and then he just gets benched for the fourth quarter. I mean, they're a tire fire. But the Lance thing is so much fun. He had 20 points in six minutes, apparently. I, I didn't – I missed it. I was at work. Um, but the Pacers, I mean, they're at a turning point, man. I mean, I, I, I really think that you could see them completely blow this up and, and just go the other direction, in which case I don't know how long Rick Carlisle is going to be around either. There was a big – piece that came out a couple weeks ago from ESPN about Luca and Rick Carlisle what happened in Dallas and apparently Rick Carlisle is just a fucking asshole which is not a surprise to anybody I don't think he's going to want to be a part of a uh, of a team that, that's going in that direction you know so I don't know bleak I would take almost any other franchise like I would take their future prospects over the Pacers it's crazy because obviously last season they fired the coach and now two straight years that they could be changing coaches. I don't know how rare that is in the NBA, but it's got to be very rare. It doesn't happen often. I don't um, think it is. What, let's think Dude, about that for a second. Did you yeah. did you hear Nash? I think it was on Simmons pod. He said, or maybe it was on Zach Lowe's pod. Nash is like in the top half of like the longest tenured coaches in the NBA. Really? Yeah, he's like the the wild cat. Yeah. So, do you you think that this Indiana team going forward, do you think that they're going to choose any any of these guys to to build with, or do you think it's going to be a full teardown? Like, do you think that they are going to say, "Oh, Sabonis, we'll keep you, and then the rest will go"? I don't think it's up to them because, like, if I look at a guy like Sabonis. Dude, he's he's trying. Like, yeah. He's he's fucking. It's not like he's like you know thrown in the towel. Like the guy looks frustrated. He's like, yo, I'm out here. He had a triple double again tonight. Yeah. He he's one. Look, everybody wants to laugh at this guy. I don't know if it's the hair or what, but or maybe like the Tyler Hansbro eyes that he has. But it's like, dude, this guy is one of the most unique talents in the NBA, and he can't win any games like with this franchise. And like at a certain point, he's not going to stick around. No matter, you know, if you give him I – mean, I'm not going to say if you, if you throw the bag at him. It's going to depend. But Indiana is going to have to reach, like, a calculation where they're like, all right, well, this guy doesn't really want to be here. We can't really win if it's just him anyways. Do we really want to give this guy, like, the max? I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what that calculus is. Um, I, if I was them, I, I, would, I would just tear the whole thing down. I don't know. What do you think? I think a full teardown – Considering their ages, that they're all probably in their mid to late 20s, being Levert, Sabonis, Brogdon, those guys, yeah, I don't see why they would want to stick around for a rebuild. The problem is it would get even more bleak if they rebuild because they don't have any – which young guys are you going to throw out there to develop? Like you look at a team like Detroit, they're rebuilding, but they can throw Cade out there, they can throw Sadiq Bey out there, Beef Stew, and it makes it – makes sense that's why i was wondering if you thought they would keep any of them because with the pacers if they tank it's going to be like goga batadze and 
Isaiah Jackson. I don't even know who they have on like who do they have that's next up that's young. I guess Lance, you know, he's spry <laughs> thirty-five or whatever he is. I, I'm not trying to crap on the Pacers here, but the crazy thing is you give you're giving all these G League guys an opportunity, and I'm very happy for Kiefer Sykes, but he's twenty-eight years old. Dude. It's like, how funny was it? I don't know. I don't know how you were watching the game. I was watching a stream where it was the uh, the Pacers home commentary. By the way, horrifically like <laughs> horrible, like such homers. I want to throw up. But dude, they were like, guys, I just heard Kiefer Sykes gather the team in the huddle. And, oh my god! And, and fire them up. And he's and they're they're talking about they're like you got to respect it that you know Kiefer's got the command of the of the huddle. Like they they're all listening. I'm like, dude, those guys don't think that. Dude, the bonus is like, who the fuck is this guy, dude? <laughs> I've never even practiced with him before, dude. He yeah. just got here tonight. It's a wild, wild. I can't remember a time in the NBA like this, and I don't think we ever, hopefully, will ever experience another time in the NBA like this. I want to get some of your thoughts on what's going on with the MVP race, Harry. And I have a, spe- you can go on a tangent if you want, but I have one specific question before you go yeah. on your MVP tangent. Is LeBron James in your top five right now? Yeah. Come on. Okay. That was anticlimactic. Are people are people really like do you get a sense that people don't believe that? Let me so the thing is that NBA.com released their MVP rankings today, I believe. And I could have sworn, I'm pulling it up as as I speak right here. I could have sworn that LeBron was outside of the top five. Um and it's it's understandable given the fact that you know the Lakers are what one game over 500, so it's understandable why you know t- uh, media outlets would not rank him highly. But if you watch a Lakers game right now, I just pulled up CBS Sports and they don't have him in their top five, and they released one yesterday. So I think it's close because there's a lot of valuable yeah. candidates, but. LeBron James, what he's doing at age 37 with that Lakers roster and now without Anthony Davis, at the very least, I think he's fifth. I I don't know. What do you think? If you want a hot take, he might be like number one for me, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're if I'm gonna go back to like the old fucking 2008, 2009 conversations we should have every every year of that era when the MVP came around. What does most valuable mean? Well, like if you really want to break it down. Steph Curry has Draymond Green on his team. You know what I mean? Like, like the Warriors are fucking great. Um, the Nets, I mean, you know, they're shaky, but, you know, it's not like Durant doesn't have guys that he can at least trust to fill their role. Like I said, Patty Mills, he knows. I'm driving baseline. I'm, I sling a pass to the corner. That's a layup for Patty Mills. You know what I mean? LeBron, dude, Kiefer Sykes would be the second best player on our team right now. <laughs> And the guy, like, LeBron is unbelievable, dude. He's 30, 37 fucking years old. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick ride or anything, but, like, what this guy is doing at his age is is unbelievable. People talk about basketball IQ. I almost look at him like career IQ. I've never seen a player understand where their body, how their body is aging better than LeBron. You know, it's he makes these tiny, like, subtle adjustments every season. You know, he's relying emphasis more on his strength and his power and his shooting now that he's developed instead of, you know, cause he, he doesn't have the same zero to 60 that another MVP candidate like John Morant has anymore. You know what I mean? Like this guy just doesn't, he's just never runs out of resources. 
and you know you're seeing it night to night. Like he's he's his impact out there is incredible. Like regardless of if they're winning or losing games. The crazy thing to me about this whole MVP talk is that everything that you said about LeBron is accurate, and Nikola Jokic, whose team is in the same exact position, has somewhat better numbers just off of if you're just going statistically. But it's like no question he's in the MVP race. But then LeBron, it's like eh, maybe top five, maybe like seventh or eighth. And I just don't understand that logic. Can I give you my top five right now? Yes, go ahead. I go Durant because I really think the Nets would be like below Philly if they didn't have Durant. He's your he's your MVP right now. Durant is my MVP right now. Okay. I mean, he dude, he just makes the game look so easy. Like I've never seen it before. Um, I mean, duh, he's Kevin Durant. I would go Durant. I'd probably go LeBron. Then Steph. Then I'd probably go Jokic. And then I'd probably go John Morant, DeMar DeRozan. I went six, but I, I'm going to go 5A5B for those last you guys. I don't know if you intentionally or unintentionally forgot about Giannis. Is he, is he in that conversation? Oh, I did forget about Giannis. Oh, man, shit, this is hard. Because Giannis is my MVP right now. And yeah. I think that, you know, the top six is very close. So, but dang, like it's, when you think about all the candidates this year, it's going to be one of the more, you know, polarizing debates that we have, I think, because of how many candidates there are. There's Giannis, there's DeRozan, there's Durant, there's Jokic, LeBron, Curry, Morant. That's seven viable candidates right off the bat. And then you have other guys that are getting um, recognition right now, like uh, Rudy Gobert is getting some MVP buzz, which I don't think is going to happen. But, you know, wild. there's there's people that are that are saying that. So Dude, Lance Stevenson's getting MVP buzz. <laughs> you know, it's – I, I – I, I, I'm I'm gonna save my mean Pacers comments. I was gonna say something mean, but never mind. Yeah, I mean it. This is the type of season that we're having, and the thing is, now that a lot of these guys have cleared COVID protocols, um, you would think that the race is gonna heat up now. You know, yeah. um, do you have an answer to the Giannis question? Where would you have Giannis in this? Yeah, I think it's got to be two. I don't know why I completely forgot about it, but it's got to be Durant, Giannis. <laughs> I think you forgot about him because it's such a generic answer at this point to say a guy like Giannis. I mean, that's why I think he wouldn't win is because it's kind of a boring answer at this point. But the things that he's done for those Bucks, he's basically they they waved Boogie Cousins right before this pod. Uh, pour one out for Boogie. Is it really? He was playing well for a couple games. He he was, and now. I don't know if, you know, Brooke Lopez is not going to be back soon, I wouldn't imagine. So Giannis is going to be doing what everybody's been praising LeBron for, playing a lot more center. And I think that that, how much of an impact does that have in how you, like, think about a player? Like, everybody's been talking about LeBron playing center recently. Do you take that into consideration, doing stuff that's maybe out of the ordinary for a player? No, I mean, because I think, I mean, Giannis is, not to say that he's been playing center, uh, you know, the past few seasons, but he's he's got so much, you know, if you break down his games, like 75% center, you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I guess the only difference is, like, defensive assignments, right? Like, he's really going to be hunkered down in the middle as, like, a stationary rim protector, which, by the way, I think he might be the best, like, rim protector in the league just from a versatility standpoint. Like, he can, 
he can come from like, oh, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of have an eye on the guy who just like faded out of this pick and roll. But then like, now I'm at the rim and I'm blocking your shot. You know, like I, I don't know anybody else, maybe like Embiid that's able to do what he does on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, maybe Giannis is even, I mean, I'm talking myself into it. Giannis might be the, the MVP just because of what he can do at both sides of the floor. That's not to say Durant's like a defensive slouch either, but like, I think Giannis is, aside from Draymond, I think Giannis is probably the best defensive player in the league. And then on the other end of the ball, you know, the maturity that he's shown on offense, you know, maybe the three-point shot isn't quite ready yet. Maybe the, you know, the flashes of shooting that we saw, you know, it's still obviously in development, but he's, he's just able to control the game a lot more now. You know, he doesn't really, he kind of berserks to the rim when he, when he has it, but when he doesn't have it, you know, you're, I just feel like you're seeing a lot more patience from him, a lot more, a lot more maturity after he won the championship. It's not really about him playing center to me. It's just about him being, you know, a, a better player than he was last year. That was very well said, Harrison. And I'm going to have to transition us to the next topic, which this is one that I really wanted to get your insight on. This is the around the time of the year when I think it's appropriate to start thinking about the long term, the picture, the big picture, and putting teams into tiers, into categories. And in the Western Conference specifically, I wanted to know what your tiers look like. So if our listeners are unfamiliar with tiers, it basically is tier one, for example, Golden State would obviously be a tier one team. And then you kind of go down that list. Tier two is maybe a contender, probably not. Tier three, so on and so forth. Let's get it started with your tier one teams, Harry. Assume that... Do we want to assume that everybody's healthy? Do we want to assume that we have a Kawhi Leonard and a Jamal Murray or no, Clay? Yes. No, Clay for sure is coming back. Yeah, let's just go off of what we know. Okay, um, for sure is going to happen because I don't know who knows. Like Jamal might not come back the season at all. You know, Kawhi might not come back the season at all. We don't know. Yeah. Um, by the way, great job explaining how groups work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know the the words. You never know. Yeah, you, you never, never know, know, dude. One time I. Like, I remember distinctly when I was a kid, like, I used to eat Pop-Tarts. And um, one time I, like, looked in the back of the box. And I was like, why are there instructions? <laughs> like, two steps. Like, open the bag, insert in toaster, optional, in brackets. <laughs> All right. Um, tier one for me, I think, is, is pretty obvious. I'd be surprised if you had something different. I think it's Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah. I think those, those three teams have been standout from the pack it's not even close between them and the other the the rest of the the rest of the conference um i think utah's offense has been spectacular um their defense surprisingly has like not been that great but offensively like they've they've just mauled teams like they're putting up like 120 points a night um i think phoenix is phoenix is like a completely finished product like every single one of those guys knows exactly what they're doing. Like they know their job like night in and night out. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're all studs. Golden State, obviously everybody wants to talk about them. The weird thing is I almost felt like, I'll turn this into a positive. I feel like Golden State without Draymond, they found a lot of ways to win in unconventional, unconventional manners, right? Because Draymond is such a huge part of what they do on both sides of the floor, like facilitating everything. And I thought the first game that they had without Draymond, I was like, man, they look kind of pedestrian. They managed to win. 
And then they kept winning, kept winning, kept winning. Now Draymond's back. They lost today, actually. Uh, Steph actually, like, I think, like tweaked his tweaked his knee or something. But um, um, I just think probably on paper they might be the most talented team in the NBA with Clay coming back. Um, yeah, that's my tier one. At the beginning of that, you said that you would be surprised if I had something different. And I was expecting us to think alike on this, but I can't put the Jazz in there, Harry. I'm sorry. Wow. I, I, I understand everything that you said about them, but it's just one of those things where it's just the postseason and the Jazz. It doesn't seem like they, they get along. And the Warriors went into Utah this past weekend, and they beat them without Draymond. And the Jazz, the, after that game, was the first time that they had a COVID case which they are probably the only team, I believe they have to be the only team in the NBA that had had no cases up to that point. That's going to hinder them, by the way, because if they have an outbreak now, everybody else is about to be healthy. So they'll be the like least lucky team in the NBA for a few weeks. And I'm, I'm sure that that would impact them in the standings. Um, with that being said, Golden State and Phoenix are my tier one teams uh, by themselves. I agree with everything you said about the Suns. I think that that was a great way to put it, that they're pretty much a finished product, uh, which is why they go on the road into Charlotte on some nights and they just just maul teams like the Hornets, who are an average team. Um, the Suns are definitely a finished product. And the Warriors, yeah, you, you said it very well. When Draymond is out, they still find ways to make things happen. Tier two, Harry, let's let's get into your second tier. Who do you have in that? Okay. Um, I mean, the Grizzlies for sure. I think that they're, they've kind of distinguished themselves as like not being a fluke, right? I mean, uh, winning, finding ways to win without Ja. The whole like, are they better without Ja Morant thing I thought was like really fucking strange. And I don't know why people keep doing this. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's, it, was, it was just strange to me. But I think the Grizzlies are, are fucking fun, man. Um, they, uh, I forgot who, was, who said this on their pod the other day. I think it was like, Maybe it was on Matt. Bar- maybe it was Matt Barnes on uh, all the smoke or something like that. But um, he described the uh, the Grizzlies as uh, not knowing any better in a good way. Like they really just don't give a shit about your reputation. They're gonna come in here and they're just gonna try to beat the beat the shit out of you. You know what I mean? Like they got guys that are just dogs all across the roster. Like Desmond Bain, Ja. Who, man, Ja is so special, dude. He's such yeah. a unique because he's he's got this confidence of. You know, people compared him to John Wall, like prime John Wall. No disrespect to John Wall. But Ja has like a sense, a feel for the game that, that John, you know, didn't develop until his athleticism was gone, really. You know, this 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 uh, this skill of like knowing when you can play slow, right? Because, you know, it's like a car. John Morant is so confident. He knows his top end speed is better than your top end speed. And his zero to 60 is better than your zero to 60. And he's going to corner better than, better than your vehicle. And so he knows, like, okay, I'm going to slow down to a standstill, right? From, from zero, I'm going to be faster than you to where I'm going. And so it's beneficial to me to, to stop, really. You know, his forays into the lane where, when he's, like, picks up his dribble, you know, up and under, like, using the threat of his, of his floater to kind of, like, fake, go under guys. Or, you know, when he's, like, on a fast break, sprinting full speed, and then he slows down. He, you know, takes two hard steps to, like, really slow down. If you're going to 
if you're going to give it to him, he's going to hit that floater in your face. You know, if not, he's going to keep his live dribble hezzy and he's at the rim. You know, there's just really no way to guard this guy right now. And uh, I think the surrounding pieces around him make a lot of sense. Like, Jaron Jackson, I never really bought him as, like, a star. Um, but I think he's I think he's kind of found his role in this team. Um, I love that they do those, like – I'm going on a tangent. I love that they do those old school – I think this is why they signed – or why they got Steven Adams, which – terrible trade. They should have kept JV. But I love that they do those old Russell Westbrook screens where Steven Adams, he just, like, seals his guy, like, way early before oh, yeah. the ball's even – past half court and Jaw just like runs through him and uses it as a screen. Like, I don't know, man, They're, they just know, they know what their identity is. They know what's powering, you know, what's powering the, the, the bus, so to speak. And the engine is John Morant, you know? So, so here, tier two, right? Yeah, I was about that. Yeah. So went off the rails tier two. Okay. I got the Grizzlies. I got the nuggets. I think that's my tier two. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think Utah, you know what, this is going to be kind of weird, but I'll, I'll do it this way. Mine is Utah by itself in tier two. I think that they're ahead of Memphis on, on the curve right now. Um, but then let's get into tier three. That's when I would have Memphis and the nuggets. Now I'm going to throw the Lakers in there because I think that the Lakers are not bad. I, I think that they're annoying and they, they can be frustrating, very frustrating, but they still, you still have to look at them and say they still have LeBron James. I'm not going to say anything positive about Russell Westbrook. I'm done doing that. It's, it's, I can't take it anymore. He's horrible. He is not good. He's, He's not horrible. good. It's, it's, it's amazing how bad he is. <laughs> it's, it's honestly like, it's, mind-numbing not how not only how like poorly he's been playing but then the the inability to kind of self-reflect and be like yeah you know um I'm gonna change my play style a little bit he's like no I'm just just gonna keep doing it just gonna it's funny like all the things that I said about LeBron understanding how his body is aging (laughs) what his limitations are you know reevaluating his game every season Russell Westbrook is the antithesis of that. Yep. Just poetic, you know, like this guy plays the exact same way that he did when he was, you know, plowing through guys in OKC, but he's just not that type of athlete anymore. You know, he's not even that type of shooter anymore. And he just hasn't changed his game whatsoever. He has zero, literally zero understanding of, of, uh, of what he should be right now as an NBA player. You know what? I'm, I'm, I completely agree with all of that. I forgot about, Paul George coming back. So I'm going to do a quick revision. And you know what? With a healthy PG, I'm going to put the Clippers into Utah's tier. I wow. think they're, they, they did it last year. They went to the Western Conference Finals with that same pretty much nucleus. Um, and then finishing out the next tier, Denver, Lakers, Memphis, and put Dallas in there. Do you have anything different in that next So tier? I'm tier – this is my tier three now, right? Tier three, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess tier three, I go LA, I go both LA teams. I I don't know what to think about Dallas, dude. I just don't. I mean, I think like, I'm going to be honest. I just don't think Jason Kidd is a very good NBA coach. Um, kudos to Kristaps Porzingis, my arch nemesis. He's been playing pretty well this year. Um, still not a great shooter, which I think is so fucking strange. Like, isn't that like your thing? 
you know? Luca, for some reason, he's still out of shape. At what point do we sound the alarm about Luca being a diva? A, a diva, you said? Yeah, he's, I don't know. Like, he just doesn't really yeah. seem like he's ever not frustrated with his surroundings. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. With the Mavericks, they have now gone to starting Luca with Jalen Brunson. Do you like that pairing? Do you like them starting together? You kind of have to, right? I mean, they're, they're your best ball handlers. Like, we've heard it now for, what, like three seasons? Like, Dallas needs another secondary ball handler, blah, 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 blah. You know, and for a while, it was kind of untenable to have a second unit without Jalen Brunson because, you know, he's he's very good with the ball. But now it's it's almost like the – the starting lineup, it was so flat with just everybody staring at Luka and watching him do his best, you know, like early LeBron Cavs impression. And, yeah, it just wasn't working. So, I mean, I understand wanting to switch it up. I don't know long-term how it's going to work, like I said, because, you know, how do you how do you then – it becomes tricky to stagger those guys and have enough juice if they're both sitting. I mean, I can't imagine what those numbers look like uh, when they're, when they're both – you know, on the bench, it's, it's probably a catastrophe. I don't know. I don't know how you generate any offense. Their offense. Yeah. When, when, when it was Luca in, I believe COVID, I don't know if he was hurt or had COVID or what the case was, but when it was Brunson running the show and then Brunson would go out, it was like, Oh my goodness. What is this? It's a Porzingis post up, which, you know, that's hit or miss. And then TH or Tim Hardaway jr. Trying to, do dribble pull-ups uh, five seconds into the shot clock. It's it's a very – so do you have Dallas in that same tier with the L.A. teams? And Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I'll do what you did. That Dallas is in a tier four of my own Okay, uh, by themselves. So, okay, so by themselves, just to clarify, um, no Portland, no Minnesota. Ugh. Nothing? Disgusting. Hell no. <laughs> Wow, I'm surprised. I thought you were going to say Minnesota at least is in that tier. No, they're not good. I mean, I think Towns is having his best season, like on both ends of the floor. Um, I think defensively he's become like, eh, which is better than he was, you know, previously, which was like a disaster on the defensive end. Um, and offensively, he's been just like um, unbelievable. Like he's a, he's even a better shooter now than he was before. Um He's still not a great passer, but um, his power game has evolved. Like, he, he can just completely run you over now if he has position, catches the ball, you know, five, six feet from the basket. Like, forget about it. He has the touch over both shoulders, fade away. Um, you know, he can face up, take you off the dribble. You know, his game has really become what people thought Anthony Davis's was going to evolve into, but it just never happened for AD, and it's happening now for Towns. I, I really think that um, – I don't know if Towns is, like, your n- a number one guy. I just don't know if he's built that way. But I don't think he necessarily needs to be. Like, if imagine if that guy was on a team with, like, John Morant, you know, was on a team with somebody who, who had that kind of mentality. You know, I think the sky would be the limit. Do you think that – Anthony Edwards had, had a comment at the end of the game tonight when he said, we are going to make the playoffs. That was a direct quote. He basically – gave a, a guarantee there do you think that it's it's for certain that minnesota i don't know if he meant playoffs as play in like top 10 but i when i hear playoffs that means that you made it out of the play in and you finish in the top eight do you think that anthony edwards is correct in thinking that they're ninth right now 
I mean, I don't see I don't see a way that you could say that's, you know, absurd or anything, right? I mean, it's a tight clump there uh, between, you know, I mean, all these teams, like, pretty much from, from, the, from Memphis down, all these teams are within a couple games of each other. The T-Wolves, you're right, they're in ninth, but they are two games back right now from the fifth-place team, which is Dallas. And Dallas is, is not good. They're, they're not a, a very good basketball – not a very good NBA team, I should say. Um, and so, like, I don't see a reason why not. I mean, I don't even think the T-Wolves are any less talented necessarily than a team like Dallas or, or the Nuggets. I mean, the Nuggets are so thin right now. Like, Jokic is the only thing holding them together. You know, and then both L.A. teams are a shit show. You know, the Clippers, I, I feel good about how they ended their last season, but it's like, all right, well, if they can never establish, like, Paul George plays, you know, 15 games in a row with them, guess what? The season's not that season's not that long. You know what I mean? Like, at a certain point, you need to get the – you need to get chemistry. You need to build that. Um, you need to build that together. It doesn't just transfer over from last season to this season. You need to rebuild it from scratch. And so – you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the T-Wolves kicked one of those teams out. And I definitely do not believe in all the teams under them. <laughs> like <laughs> Sacramento, San Antonio, Portland, they're – no. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not sold on any, of those, on any of those teams. I'm really disappointed to hear that out of you because I definitely thought that you were going to be joining me on the Spurs bandwagon later. The Spurs, oh out of all those teams with the point differential, uh, which is, again, we're going to do the – the pop tarts explainer here point different that means you have scored more than your opponent on average and from denver who is in sixth all the way down to houston every team has a negative point differential except the spurs really it's it's small it's 0.5 but they're 15 and 22 and to me that team is a lot closer to 500 They've had bad luck. Again, they're just starting to get a little bit of chemistry. And then DeJounte Murray, who is their engine, he gets COVID. So they haven't been the same and they haven't had a chance to gel. But there's no Spurs love for you, Harry. Do you you have any faith in the Spurs the rest of the way? Um, No. I mean, I'll tell you what. I think, like like you said, like DeJounte is kind of their – DeJounte is is the – really the only – like star on that team right now everybody else plays hard but they don't have like they don't have like a a a dynamic you know playmaker other than murray i mean who's their second best player kelvin johnson yeah i don't know how to answer that i just don't really see like i think there's a talent gap between them and a team like minnesota um despite them being solid i mean that's hilarious that they have a 0.5 point differential and they're like it seems like they're perennially a 500 team. Like they're the most average yeah. team in the Western conference to me. Like if, if the, uh, if the Grizzlies are a Lambo, you know, powered by John Morant, like 500 horsepower, I don't know. What are the Spurs? Like a Honda civic. <laughs> that was great. I love that. I have one final question for you, Harrison, and I didn't get a chance to prep you on this because I want your authentic raw reaction. Uh, we always will have, NBA league pass deep dive players that we just it's kind of like um a guy that maybe is not so common that we truly just enjoy watching is there a guy that um that would make even maybe two if you have for for our listeners who might have a deep dive fetish do you have one or two guys that you can think of in the west in either conference either conference 
That's good. Um, it's tough because guys are, are in and out of the lineup so much now. Yeah. But uh, I would say Josh Giddy. I'm not sure if he counts, but he's so much fun to watch. That definitely counts. Yeah. He, yeah. Youngest player to record a triple-double the other night. I mean, he really cannot shoot, like, whatsoever. <laughs> but, like, the guy knows how to play basketball, and he really – I don't know. He's got NBA size, the hair. He kind of looks like the uh, – he kind of looks like the fucking Dune kid, Timothy Chalamet. Um, he's a fun watch. Another one um, out east and, um, you know, because I'll do one in each conference. Uh, let me shout out – we brought this guy up on the pod before, but Ayo Desunmu from the uh, from okay. the Chicago Bulls. Dude, they, this kid, I, like, he should be somewhere – he shouldn't be near the top, but somewhere in that dark horse, like, rookie of the year, like, top rookies, you know. Um, he, the kid just knows how to play, and he's long. He's not afraid of anybody. He's great on defense, like easily navigates screens, which you don't see a lot from rookie guards. Like usually that's like the the hallmark of rookie like guard defense in NBA is like they just die on every screen, right? But um Desumu does not do that on offense. He runs runs a break hard. Um he's got cool hair. I mean, yeah, dude, the guy's just fucking awesome. I love that answer. Uh I love both of those answers, actually. Those are both great answers. Although I was a little bit disappointed, I thought that for some reason I assumed that you would give us like a Kyle Kuzma shout out or something like that. <laughs> dude, uh, Kuzma's been balling, dude. He's been playing well. Um, he's a good NBA player. He he is, and you know it was unfortunate how he was handled in in Los Angeles. You know what? I have a I have a side question for you. My guy, by the way, I'll I'll, I'll give you my guy quickly. It's Devin Vassell. Um, Ooh. The the topic came up. The reason I asked you that question at that time was because I was thinking San Antonio's second best player. I don't think he's there yet, but out of everything that I've seen in terms of like going forward, his offensive game has a lot of potential. Um, yeah. People have talked about Keldon Johnson and his three-point shooting and how good it's been. It's one of those things where, yeah, he's wide open. Teams want Keldon Johnson to shoot the three. It's going to go down if, if they close out on him. Whereas Vassell, he just looks he looks smooth on the offensive end. Um, my question for you, the last question that I have is the Kuzma thing obviously didn't work in Los Angeles, and it's been a it's been a common theme. Guys leave LA and then they they find their their niche in the, in the league. Do you? Oh, think- get, hold on, sorry, pause. Guys don't leave LA. The worst okay. GM in the league, LeBron James, trades them out for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, you're completely. I. I botched the, the wording there. With that being said, if the worst GM in the league, LeBron James, was to ship out a Talon Horton Tucker, right? Do you believe in THT on a different team? Let's make it happen, dude. THT for Kyle Kuzma. Who says that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. The thing, the thing with THT is like, I don't, I don't believe in his shot. Everybody always says the same thing, man. If this guy could just be more consistent. Well, guess what? That's what makes you a good NBA player versus not a great NBA player is like the, the really good NBA players, they're good enough where, you know, whatever it is, shots not going, they're going to – Kyrie, shots not going, he had 22 points in an NBA game, in a competitive NBA game. You know, um, this or that, they, they're, they're good enough where they have enough resources to fill in the blanks. THC's not really like that. I mean, he's, he's really just like feast or famine. I mean, I don't really know what that would mean, like believing in this guy and another team. It would have to depend on the context. Are you talking about like 
off a bench unit as a as a key starter on like an actual competitive playoff team just a change of scenery just i don't know i don't know what that means because the reason why i say i don't know is i don't know what his role would be on another team i think that he's a very polarizing player to talk about because what do you think do you think that he would be a starter on a on a lesser team in the league i don't know define lesser like detroit Probably. Let's is he say better than Killian Hayes. A lot let's of say like lesser meaning like a Sacramento. Ooh, maybe not. Is, Sac- is Sacramento worse than LA? <laughs> oh, okay. good point. Um, that's a very good point. What about yeah, like a team like um, a little less than five hundred, like a Portland. I mean, he would play in Portland for sure. Those guys are starving for some kind of competent guard play. You know. Uh, yeah probably yeah yeah i think he would i think he would start and find his place in portland for sure i mean look if if it's any indication of like the lakers previous guy like julius Randle was like a you know all nba guy last year (laughs) i don't know what's happening this year but like all the la guys seem to shine even thomas bryant had like a good little stretch before he like you know he got a bunch of catastrophic injuries or whatever it really seems like lebron has like the opposite of the uh of the midas touch when it comes to like you know, personnel decisions. I, yes, I definitely think if there was an award for worst GM in the league, um, LeBron, who obviously is not the Lakers actual GM, he would be in the running. Somehow he would be in the running for worst. Um, Is there anything else that you want to say to the listeners before we sign off here, Harrison? Um, No, I mean, I guess the only thing would be, we brought this up in the chat earlier, but like, would you give this season an asterisk if, like, the COVID situation Ooh. keeps going this way? Where, like, week to week, even in the playoffs, week to week, you have no idea who's going to be able to, you know, actually play. So, if I understand the rules correctly, if you got it in the season, I don't think that you can go back on the COVID list. I don't know. Is that is that correct? And did I hear that I right? So, but, I mean, if you're if you're COVID positive, you can't play, right? I mean, that's well, yeah. that's a rule. That's true. So I guess in that scenario, we don't know what's going to happen in two, three months from now, if players can retest positive or what the case may be. Um, I could have sworn somebody did say that because when the Bulls got it, I heard that it was like, oh, they got it out of the way early. So then later in the season, they won't have to deal with it. I'll put it this way. If, If that's the case and teams don't have to deal with it after this point, then I don't see an asterisk necessary because we're going to have the second half of the season for teams to rev up their engines and to get ready for the postseason. Um, we don't know if fans will be there by that time. The Raptors have taken their fans out of the building. Um, but, you know, a lot can happen between now and then. I don't want to jinx anything. But if things are to go as they have been going, I think it's, it's not an asterisk season. What do you think? I think there's an asterisk in the season. <laughs> because of the kind of the mess up of the rhythm or? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that. And I also, like you said, I don't know what's going to happen two, three months from now. Could be another variant on the way that there's a bunch of fucking breakthrough cases or whatever. And you, you have like, I don't know. Like, who knows? Like, maybe Memphis could win the whole thing. I have no idea, you know? Who's to say? I just think that, like, this season has been more of a shit show somehow in the bubble season where it was like the NBA put like a huge effort into really controlling things, you know, but come playoff time, it was pretty clear 
what was what, who was going to be able, like nobody was missing time because of COVID. I mean, there were famously, I think, zero positive cases in the bubble, right? Yeah. And I don't really see that happening unless they go bubble again. Like, I think there's going to be some key player missing, you know, and it's just kind of, it's going to kind of throw a wrench in the season, which I, I hope doesn't happen. Yeah, I hope not, but you know, we can't we can't predict the future especially with this pandemic. It's it's going to be something to keep your eye on for sure the rest of the way. I guess if you want to say just in that way, if you because we have to keep our eye on it the rest of the way, maybe that's deserving of an asterisk in and of itself because you have to be aware of it. Um yeah, the uncertainty. The uncertainty of it all. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else Harrison before we get out of here? That was a great point though that you just brought up i love that what what are you looking forward to for the rest of the season what i am looking forward to for the rest of the season is honestly um as i guess basic as you can say is just the lakers the whole mess i love i love it i can't look what a shit show you can't take your eyes off of it they're they're in fifth there are now they're half a game back as dallas won but it's the same pretty much it's the same if the seventh yeah it's a mess in that, in that middle of the West. And it's like, I, okay. I was thinking about this earlier today. What if the Lakers finish fifth, right? They play Memphis round one. And then let's say Utah, who is close enough to number one. What if they jump up to first? Is there a scenario there where the Lakers can beat Memphis and then somehow beat Utah and be in the Western conference finals? For sure. I mean, especially the Utah jumping up. Like, that's very reminiscent of what happened to Denver last year, right? Denver was a one seed? I or two believe, seasons ago? I believe so. Denver was a one seed some, one of these years, and it was, like, pretty obvious, like, early on that they were great. Oh, I think – no, I think it was last season because then I think Jamal – I think Jamal tore his knee, and that was that or something. I don't remember. But, I mean, yeah, shit, anything can happen. And I, I – honestly, like, I think LeBron – I think he thrives with the chaos, dude. Oh, yeah. I think like a, a part of him, he loves he loves the circus. When things are like boring, he's got to shake it up, you know. So this is where this is where he comes. This is where he comes to shine. And look, we always say this in the playoffs. At the end of the day, when the rotation shortened, a lot of it comes down to which team has the best player. And if this LeBron can can stay healthy and continue this level of play, continue shooting the ball the way he's shooting it right now. Um, I don't see – I mean, if they play Memphis in round one, is John Morant like a better player than LeBron over like a six-game series? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, lo- I love John Morant. Is is Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell's having a great season. I don't think so. I'm not betting against LeBron James. And then you're in the Western Conference Finals? I mean, like, and then who anything knows, dude? Can anything can happen. Malik oh Monk, God. dude? I mean, can't you see Malik Monk having like some crazy like J.R. Smith-type playoff run where it's like – you know, every other night he has like 30 points. LeBron is hyping him up, and over the last six games, he's averaging 20 a night. The guy is, yeah, that was a great comparison to JR. Um, it's so fascinating to think that this disaster of a Lakers season, and it's been a disaster, and they're right there. They're just Dude, right imagine, there. imagine Russell Westbrook holding up that Larry O'Brien. My dude. goodness. <laughs> My goodness, it's, you know, anything can happen, like you said. Um, is there something specific that you're looking forward to the rest of the way? Mm, I think it has to be Clay. Oh. 
I'm so excited to watch Clay Thompson play again just because, I mean, first of all, I think he's a fucking amazing player. But second, I mean, just the mystery of, like, I don't think we've seen a guy have such a horrible injury and then miss two consecutive seasons. Yeah. And then what happens after that? You know, obviously we've seen Durant come back better than ever, which is also unprecedented. But Clay, I think people forget, like, the game that he went down. He was playing some of the best basketball of his career, just saying a lot. I mean, Steph was ice cold. Clay was going crazy. And then he, uh, I think he tried to catch like that oop or something like that. He went up, came down awkward, and that was that. And then, you know, obviously like the freak injury uh, before the next season or whatever set him back again. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what level he's going to come back. But if he's anything close to what he was before, I mean, this, this team is going to be so much fun in a way that I don't think even like the pre-KD Warriors were, um, you know, as far as just pure entertainment level. Because now you have, you have freak athletes across the roster, you know, GP2, uh, Kaminga, who I think is actually starting to find like a pretty, pretty significant role in this team. You know, I even think like people want to poo-poo it. I think if Wiseman can just yeah. understand what he's there to do, which I don't know if you listen to Draymond Green's podcast, but like, he basically was he's he's like we've been all been telling Wiseman like just go out there and be a freak like don't don't overthink shit run catch lobs block shots like just be you know be a large insanely talented seven footer you know it's gonna be a fun team it's definitely gonna be a fun team as always Harrison thank you so much for joining us on the pod um next time it's gonna be interesting because the next time we we talk uh, the Bulls will still be in first place. That's a bold prediction. We didn't even mention them, but it's good. The next, the next time we talk, the Bulls are going to have three all-stars. That, wow. Kobe, Zach, and DeMar. Beautifully yes, started. Uh, thanks again. And until next time, we are out of here.